bow your heads with me. Father, we come before you today, not in and of anything that we have done or could do, but just as we are, and then your blood is what changes us. Your blood is what forgives us. Your blood paid the price for our sins. If it wasn't your blood, it would have had to have been ours. So we bring nothing before you. There's no plea that we have other than the fact that nothing we could offer, that the fact that we come to you. We come to you needing forgiveness or maybe today needing to be saved, but let your word speak to us in truth. Let it show us that you are the way and grant us eternal life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to expedite things a little quickly. Uh, who's back there? Jeremy or Brian? Could you do me a favor? Just put the graphic up there, the high five graphic. Can you answer me this question? Who's, who uh, was the Baby Ruth candy bar named after? Who, who, was, the ba- who was it? Who, who, who was the Baby Ruth candy bar named after? Babe Ruth. Wrong. That's what I thought too. Grover Cleveland's daughter, Ruth. I looked it up as a fact, so there you go. I also wanted to let you know that we're getting ready to do a, uh, a series starting next week. If you pop that main graphic up there for me. Uh, marriage and relationships next week is uh, Love Is. It's going to be a mixture of practical application and biblical application. So I'm not afraid to handle or tackle any subject. A lot of you have given me uh, topics and stuff like that, and we will talk about them. And, uh, so put your seatbelt on, be ready to go. It'll be hard, it'll be challenging, but isn't marriage anyway? And my hope is with it to we could better our relationships in marriage. All right, this morning we're talking about bragging. I'd like to talk to you and show a couple graphics about things. I did a little research that people brag about. First thing that people brag about is how tough they are. And if anybody knows how toughness is, you know, just in case you don't know that when, um, um, I forgot his name. (laughs) When Chuck Norris crosses the street, the cars stop. You ever know any of those? That went over like a lead balloon. Oftentimes, people will brag about how pretty they are, you know? It's amazing the, the means that they use Instagram to show this or that or, or Facebook or whatever it is, Twitter, you know? It's just like, it, they don't do it in a, a straight-out way, but it's like bragging about how, how pretty they are. I, I've never had that situation. Here's one. People brag about how good a shape they're in. I mean, come on, 90-year-old lady. Like, I can't do that. Good thing my shoulder's been repaired, otherwise I'd show you up, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the crazy things is, is I was studying mostly on college campuses and, and young, uh, young adults, they brag about how much they can drink, you know? And it's like they're bragging, saying, I can ruin my liver before you can ruin yours. And here's, here's one. A lot of times people brag about their kids. I would never consider anything like that. But my kids are awesome, you know. All of them are in church. All of them are serving their local church. You know, you know just in case, you know, I will never brag about my kids. But in case you didn't want to know, that's the truth, you know. And they're the best kids in the world, according to their mother. <laughs> Bragging. You know, that's what I want to, when Jesus uses these words today, bragging, I want to take a look at it because a lot of times people really enjoy bragging about how rich they are, if they're rich. And if they're not rich, they like to maybe make it seem like it is because of what you have or, or what you do or whatever. And I don't know, where's the place where you're rich enough that you brag? I don't know where that is. 
You know, people brag about it all the time. And if you look at the top of your notes, I ask the question, who, who, who wants to be poor? I mean, who's bragging about how poor they are? Pull out your smartphone, go to the Bible app, go to Lifeline, go right to the events today, it'll come up. You have purple sermon notes there. Grab a hold of those and follow along with me today. Now, you know that there are people that want to brag about being poor. You know, if you, if you show up at the welfare office and you need rent and you need food stamps, you basically want to tell them, I have nothing, I am broke, I need your help. And I guess there is a time to brag about how poor you are. But Jesus indicates kind of the same thing, but he's teaching and he, as he begins the Beatitudes. In your notes, the very first of the Beatitudes that Jesus begins to teach his disciples and all who would listen is in your notes. He said, blessed are the poor, in spirit blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven i mean you're sitting there listening you say wait i mean it's always the rich who've gotten everything isn't it i mean they're sitting there are you listening to this is it possible that peasants might have a chance and what he's talking about has to do everything with spiritual that's why the context of john 14 1 7 lets us know that in order to get into the kingdom, you have to start at a place where spiritually you think you don't have it. You have no way. Here I am, just as I am, without one plea. Here, here just as I am, spiritually not able to do it. Here's John, the 14th chapter, and I'd like to put it in context. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's getting ready to leave them, and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This passage right here in seven verses will continue to confirm in several different ways that Jesus claimed to be God. For those of you who know Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons, they do not say that Jesus is God. You need to know that. Jesus comes and says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Here's verse 2. My Father's house has many rooms. I just want to pause there. Because if you'll just see the two things that I have underlined, and maybe just draw a line to them in your notes, the kingdom of heaven is for those who are poor in spirit. And Jesus says, my Father's house has many rooms. The kingdom of heaven is where Jesus is talking about. It's paradise, it's heaven, it's where God has a house. And that's the figure that he uses. And he says, many rooms for many people, and I'm preparing one for you. To the poor in spirit, also those who come. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I not have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And thank goodness for Thomas in verse 5. Thomas is that guy we call Doubting Thomas. But oftentimes, Thomas asks some questions that we would like to ask. And so you're sitting here saying, well, do you know the way? Do you know how to follow Jesus? Do you know the way? Jesus said, you know the way. But Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, you and I have the benefit of knowing he was heading back to heaven. And he goes on to say, you know, people can be close to Jesus and people can know about Jesus. This is a danger, 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 everybody. You can know about Jesus. You can know about who he is. You can kind of have some of his principles. You can even read the Bible. But there are a whole mass, a multitude of people who Jesus turns and says on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. 
And there are people that said, we did all of these things in your name. Be careful you're not one of them. Verse 6, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that sounds like bragging. Verse 7, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. What? You mean you and the Father are like one? Knowing Jesus is knowing the Father? And then he says, from now on, you do know him, the Father, and have seen him. That can only mean Jesus is the Father, our one. So, you know, Candy said that there's what? What did she say? 40 major religions and over 4,200 or 1,000 religions? I don't know. I can't remember the numbers that she said. It's big. It's huge. Now, the question then is, is what happens to somebody who follows Buddha? What happens to somebody who follows Muhammad or any other figure in history? What happens if you're not following Jesus Christ? Let's take a look at each of these. And I want, you to, I want to give you a little bit of an English lesson because if you don't understand this, then you won't understand these words that Jesus said. There is something called a definite article and there's something in English called an indefinite article. The definite article is when the word the is used. It refers to something uniquely specific and only when it says the way. When that is in front of something, it's the way. The Greek has it as a definite article, and the original language, that's what it says. The indefinite article is the, word, is the letter A. A way, or a life. Jesus doesn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. He says, the one and only. Now, he's either bragging, or that is the truth. So let's take a look at each of these points. Number one, pretty simple, fill in the word way. This is the way. Jesus said for us to get to heaven, he said the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit, the Father's house has many rooms. For us to get into heaven, we must follow him because he is the way, the definite article. Whatever path he is on, I need to be on. I need to follow. He, how he behaves, I behave. How he reacts, I re- How he treats his enemies, I do. He's the way. He's the path. I can get on that path if I decide to follow the way. There are not many roads to heaven. I'm sorry. I would like there to be. But just so you know, he is the way. If somebody tells you there are many roads to heaven, like I'm sure a lot of these you know, different Eastern religions are, then Jesus is a liar. How he behaves. Jesus is the only road. He's the only path to travel on. If your destination is heaven, then Jesus is is the way. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. Anywhere we go, there are limitations, right? You want to go somewhere. There's a, a Painesville Township Park. Hadley Road is the only north and south road you can get there by. There's only one other way to get there, and the other way would, by car I'm talking about, not flying in by helicopter. The only other way would be to go all the way east to Bacon Road and weave your way through all the side streets. That's the only two ways to get there. And we're okay with that. It's the way. It's the only ways. And if I leave my house and I head south, that will never take me to Lake Erie. You say, if you go all the way around the world, not driving. We're talking about spiritual life. I cannot head south and get to Lake Erie. I have to go north. It's the way to get there. 
And if that could be true in directions, it is true spiritually, folks. To get off of the path is not, and, and to not follow Jesus is not to lose your way. It's to lose the way. Jesus is the method and the means of the only way to heaven. Either he's bragging and it's false or it's truth. Number two is the word truth. He is the truth. I'd like to talk to you today about how you view the world we live in. There's basically two views that tell you how to believe. One of them is a secular worldview and one of them is a biblical worldview. The secular worldview isn't necessarily bad in and of itself, but what it leads to can be really far from God. If you do a search and you study secular humanism, you will find out that their worldview is basically man is the measure, quote, unquote. Man is the measure. That is what we go by. We grow into an enlightenment. Mankind is the ultimate norm by which truth and values are to be determined. According to secular humanism, all reality and life is centered upon human beings. In fact, we act as God, according to secular humanism. That's what they wrote. I didn't say it. I looked it up, and that's what they had. And, of course, you know it. You see it. You know, they believe strongly in atheism. Secular humanists believe that there is no God, that science and scientific process have made God obsolete. That's why they won't allow creation taught in our schools. That's why they don't mention Jesus Christ in the news, unless it's some way in shape or form is bad. They believe in atheism. They believe in naturalism. It says that only matter exists. Things that you can touch and feel and see. The humanists trust scientific methods and they say that's the only sure way of knowing anything. It doesn't, if, it, that, if you can't experiment on it and if you can't touch it, it doesn't exist. This was secular humanism. Since you can't observe God or hell or the human mind or spirit or conduct experiments on them and, and they really don't exist. Folks, I heard an announcer the other day, and I've heard this several different times, they're trying to figure out why these school shootings continue to happen. And they're wanting to know what is it in our society that has gone wrong that we continue to have these. What would you expect when your schools, our public schools, I mean, you really need to think about sending your kids to public schools, teach that God doesn't exist, get the Ten Commandments out, no prayer. They've kicked God out. So how could anybody have a moral conscience in the kids that we're raising? If they're the center of the universe and most of these people want attention, secular humanism's given them the opportunity to shoot up and then get all this attention on the news and everywhere else. Medias, sitcoms, schools, politics, world, stupid. There's full of secular humanists. Take a look at it. Watch it. Do you view it? Do you see it? How many of you watched The Simpsons and seen secular humanism and the degrading of parenthood because the father is a doof? Sin. We must find out what has happened to our society, but you'll never find out that way. But there is another view. And as you study the scriptures, you look at the world through a biblical view. The Bible contains the truth on every necessary topic to man. It doesn't answer every question, but anything that is necessary for you to know, the answer is found. We filter crime through the truth. We filter a work ethic through the Bible. The words of Jesus come out of his mouth. They are true. In the beginning was the word, the word, and the Word became flesh. 
He was with God and is God. John, the first chapter. When you watch TV and the news, you hear something terrible. If you're filtering it through a biblical perspective, you're filtering through the scriptures and you're thinking, man, that happened because of evil. That happened because of sin. That happened because we don't allow God into our schools. When Jesus said he is the truth, he also meant that there's no other truth. The words that he speaks are true. doesn't matter if we think it's true or not. If we like them or are offended by them. You know what secular humanists say today? When you approach them with the truth, and I'm not saying go there and tell them this. I'm just saying when you quote a passage of Scripture, you show them something out of Scripture, you put it on your Facebook, the first thing they're going to say to you is, is, who are you to judge me? That's their answer. That's their, their, they're not open to being corrected according to the truth because the truth judges their behavior. Jesus is the truth, the only truth, and that's the only thing that can come out of his mouth. And all the scripture says it is God-breathed. Number three, he is the life. Now this word in the original language is Z-O-E, Zoe. Got a kid named that? Yes, Zoe. Life. It's the definition of absolute fullness of life. You see, here's the situation. Everybody here is born. You, you have flesh, and you have a spirit, and you have a soul. But the spirit lies dormant and dead until it is born again. That, that's the word Jesus used. You know, until the spirit comes to live inside. Until the old nature is pushed out. And Jesus comes to live. He is life. He is the existence from eternity past to eternity present. Eternity future exists because of Jesus Christ. Our life, our Zoe began when we were conceived. By the power of Jesus Christ, you had a beginning. And guess what? You will, by the power of Jesus Christ, you will live forever, ever, 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 eternity and, and in between all of that, you will be sustained by the power of Jesus Christ. He sustains all things, the scripture says. He holds all things together. But there is something present and there is something missing in our life. Every human being has something present and something missing. Taught all throughout scripture, what is present in every person born is the sinful nature. Call it original sin, call it what you'd like. It's the fallen nature that was passed down from our first parents. Just as a disease is passed down physically, this is a spiritual disease. It skips no generation. There's something present inside of each and every one of us. And Jesus emphasized this truth when he taught, you gotta be born a second time. The first time you gained Everything from your first parents. And in the book of Romans, it says the second birth, you gain everything from Jesus Christ. That's why it's called a second birth. It's no more than just a a picture word. Without that second birth, Jesus said you cannot see, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Read John, the third chapter. Jesus is the life. And that's what's present in us. But what is missing is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus says gives us life, the one that has the ability to set us free. You all know that if a police officer, the other day I was driving and a police officer turned his lights on and got behind me. 
Thankfully, there was a car in between us, and he pulled him over. But my wife, as a nurse, has been let off more times by police officers than I've been pulled over. I'm going to get me a nurse's hat or something. A police officer has this authority, this power to either let you off or to give you a ticket or send you to jail. And this is the authority. Guess what the Father said to Jesus before he left? All authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ, my son. He's been given to me. Therefore, he's the one that can give us life. He's the one that can uh, forgive. Jesus is the life. He's eternal life. All who are without him will all be without the life that he provides in eternity. Always remember, when you have a difficulty with eternity in hell, the one who knows it talked about it more than anybody else. The one who knows what it's like described it so that you would read it, you would see it, you would know it. It's an eternity. If that doesn't drive us to tell our friends about Christ, invite our friends to a church, I don't know what will. It would be really nice if we meditated on hell. Be really nice if we had dreams about hell so we understand the reality of it. It exists. We don't want our friends to go there. I mean, this, what is it, June 3rd, I think it is, we're going to have baptisms. Is there any reason for anybody who said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, to say, I really don't think I want to be baptized? And the scripture tells us you should be baptized. It's a public declaration. That Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and now he is yours. If you haven't been baptized, you have to grab a brochure, fill it out. It's a public statement that you are following the way, the truth, and the life. Folks, being baptized or not, it's a heart issue lots of times. It's a heart, it's an obedient issue. And the heart in the Bible is mentioned, I believe, over 800 times. The heart. Here's how it's defined, and you have to pull them all together. If you get any one, you get it wrong. They all together said, according to the Bible, it's the place of our affections. It's the place of our inner life. It is really the real Evan. It's the real you. The heart is capable of thinking. It can rationalize. It can make decisions and choices. That's why in your notes I have, it takes heart. We use our heart to decide who our friends are. You know, we use our heart to fall in love. We use our heart to decide if, if we will take a, a, a chance and be vulnerable. It takes heart to fall in love. And according to Romans 10.10, 10, if you understand heart now, it takes your heart to be saved. Romans 10.10 10, in your notes. For it is with your heart that you believe. And so now if you understand heart, you understand that that means I'm all in. I don't just believe Jesus exists in my head. It's with my very being. And if it's with my very being, he's the way, the truth, and the life. I study him, I follow him. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified. That's how the old sinful nature is wiped clean. Somebody said it this way, justified as if justified never sinned. Who here today wouldn't want that? It goes on to say, and it's with your mouth. 
that you profess your faith and are saved. When it gets in your heart, you're not ashamed to talk about it. And that's one of the things about baptism. You get a chance to share what Christ has done in your life. And then the picture is the old Evan is down under the water and the new Evan has come alive. That's the picture of baptism. That's why the central point of the message today is just simply three words and it's your heart. It's not my heart. It's not somebody else's heart. You can't do whatever you want for somebody else. It's your heart. And even though you were born in sin, you have control over your heart. You have control over your heart because your heart is who you are. But sin wants to rule over you. We learn that right from the book of Genesis. Sin wanted to rule over Cain. He wanted him to, and what did he do? He takes his brother's life. See, the heart is the only thing that really can take the step away from sin and towards Christ, the entire you. Sin isn't a misstep. It isn't a mistake. It's lawlessness. It breaks the law of God. In your notes, I have 1 John 3. And if you ever want to look at verse 4, 4 basically says sin is lawlessness. But here's verse 5. And he says, and he's writing to Christians. And he's writing to you and me. He says, but you know that he, meaning Jesus, he appeared so that he might take away our sin. Don't believe that you have to sin every day, please. Please. You have to believe what the Bible says. He appears that he could take away our sin. And in him is no sin. Now he's going to make that point for this reason. If you're going to follow him, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. They may know about him in their head, but they have not experienced that born-again experience of Jesus Christ coming to a person who will humble their heart and say, I'm a sinner in need of the God of the universe. So I have in your notes that recognition and realization is what this life is about. This is what it's about for anybody here today. When you realize that Jesus is not bragging, when you realize that he's greater than any other religious leader, but he's offering his life for your sins personally. That's a decision and a realization that you need to make today, that you are poor in spirit. And you say, man, hallelujah, I know I am. Thank you, and that's how you enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the humbling of ourselves to recognize the truth about ourselves. And it's that I am a sinner without Jesus Christ, and though I may know about him, he's not my way, he's not my truth, he's not my life, but that can change today and that's today as best as I have prayed and as best as I've sought the Lord is what he wanted me to share with you today and now is decision time I'm going to ask you today to put your life into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ today are you embarrassed of him do you think there's some other way the book of Revelation says for those who have the testimony of Jesus Those are the ones who enter. No St. Peter at the gates, everybody. That's just a joke. It's Jesus there. I was uh, with a friend of mine, Jeff Joggin. He owns Joggin Hardware Store, and we had a trailer attached to the back of of his his, uh, pickup truck. And for any of you that know this, you can't get plates unless the trailer has a weight on it. You got to get it weighed. You got to take the weight slip. And then, you know, I'm, you know I'm sorry, Tracy. I just, I, you know it. I, and, and, 
And so we took it up and we drove it up on this, um, this uh, scale in, in, in uh, Painesville. The guy waited, he called us around and he had the slip and he said, <laughs> he said how much do you want to pay? I'm just like, well, I have a 20 here. Is it going to be more than that? I pulled out a 20, you know. Jeff is on that side. He pulls over where I got the money. I got to pay the guy, you know. And he said, I said, well, I got 20. How much is it? He's like, how much do you want to pay? And I, you know what I was thinking. <laughs> and then he granted me my wish. He said, it's nothing because of the guy you're with. Jeff Joggin knows everybody in Painesville. They all know him. They do things for one another. And he says, it's free because of who you're with. This is exactly what the book of Revelation and the scriptures teaches. Eternity, you get it, free of charge. And then you live for Jesus Christ. Are you ready to make a decision today? Would you bow your heads with me today? This is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Where are you at with him today? Is he the way, the truth, and life? Or is there some other way? Is there some saint that you're trying to get to heaven through? No. No other way. And so where you are at today, in just a second, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you, raise your hand and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am giving my life to Christ today. I'm turning from my sins. Or maybe you need to make a recommitment today. With everybody's head. But this is in your heart of hearts. You slip your hand up to say, Jesus, here I am. I come just as I am. Go ahead, put your hand down, Father. The most important thing, as we talked about heart, mentioned over 800 times in the Scripture, you see the human heart. And as this song says, amazing grace. There's amazing grace. It's so amazing that every sin a person has committed when they come to you can be born again, start afresh and new, and all of those sins wiped out by the blood of Jesus Christ washing us free. So I pray, Jesus, that you will do a sealing work in the hearts and the lives of the people today who said, Jesus, I am putting my foot in the ground. Today for me, I come just as I am. You are the way, you are the truth, you are the life, and now you are my way, my truth, and my life. Lord, do a spiritual work in the hearts and lives of your people today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus wasn't bragging. He's the only way, truth, and the life. All right? God bless you. Good morning, everyone.